Welcome to the Traveling Image Makers Podcast, your source of inspiration about travel photography. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride as we bring you on a tour around the world with our guests. Welcome to another great episode of the Traveling Image Makers Podcast. And today we are here with a fine art portrait and street photographer uh, and also a 100% New Yorker, James Mayer. Uh, welcome, James. How are you? Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm doing great today. It's great to have you here and uh, it will be great to talk about New York and about the traveling to New York and about uh, your travels outside of New York a bit uh, just, uh, just in a few minutes. But first, I would like to, to say welcome also to uh, Ralph Velasco, who is, uh, if I'm uh, not mistaken, still in beautiful Madrid, Spain. I am. Hey, guys. Hey, everyone. Hey, James. How's it uh, going? Yeah, I'm here, here in Madrid, uh, just here for a few more days, then off to Salamanca and Portugal. Well, yeah. I'm jealous. So let's, uh, let's talk about James. I already said you are... Um, fine art photographer you also do portraits headshots that kind of stuff but i think your real passion is in street photography uh, mm -hmm. is there anything that you would like to to add to your uh, to your bio to your profile for the benefit of our audience sure yeah i mean yeah that's you know i have the whole kind of photography business in new york working with business side uh which i enjoy um, but you're right that, you know, my, it, my real enjoyment and passion is a mixture of doing kind of street photography work in New York. Uh, and then also, you know, anything that has to do with history or, you know, about the city itself, I'm kind of in the future now starting to work towards kind of a little bit more documentary projects and things like that. So that's where my enjoyment lies, but I, I still like love, you know, portraiture and all that stuff as well. And you're also uh, quite a prolific writer. I think you have at least uh, three books released. Mm -hmm. and, um, I would like to talk about your books, in a, uh, especially a recent one, which fits right into the uh, general topic of our podcast, which is about travel photography. Mm -hmm. So you have this book, which is titled uh, The New York Photographer's Travel Guide. The best places to photograph from a professional photographer, tour guide, and lifelong New Yorker. So from the title of the book, it's pretty easy to figure out what it's all about. But can you give us a bit more details? What will readers be able to find in the book? Sure. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, personally, I've been, you know, I'm a licensed tour guide in the city, and I've been giving kind of photography workshops uh, for about the last five or six years, like very, very, very frequently, and kind of a With that, I've tried to explore as much of the city as I can, you know, and even with that, it's, I've only <laughs> covered a certain amount, but, uh, so the book is meant to be, it's not meant to be, um, something that's going to take like five days to read. Uh, it's meant to be read in an airplane ride. You know, you can read it in a couple hours. It comes with a Google map, uh, which you can just load onto your phone, which has every location in the entire book that's talked about. Uh, and it's meant to kind of, you know, give some background about the best ways to photograph in the city, kind of best things to think about, and, you know, it, a little behind the scenes of, of how to best photograph in New York. Um, and then it gives you a whole bunch of different locations to go to. Uh, so it's, you know, some popular places to go to, some off-the-beaten-path uh, places, you know, through Manhattan, some in Brooklyn, 
Um, so yeah, it's basically something that you can just, if you're taking a three hour flight, you can start at the beginning of the flight, finish it at the end, uh, have that map and just know exactly where to go. Talk to us some about some of the more off the beaten locations. I mean, we know, uh, you know, there's quite a few iconic locations that, uh, you know, many people get to and know about before they even arrive, but tell us about some of your secret places. Sure. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, there are a bunch. And when I say the off the beaten path, it, these are like, they're half off the beaten path. They're places that, um, you know, tourists and people who are coming to New York for the first time will, you know, want to venture to. Um, so, you know, some of my favorite, one of my favorite walks around the city, there's, it's a great, like two or three hour walk. Uh, downtown New York has a lot of these amazing areas ne- right next to each other. Um, so, you know, I love, I, you know, I take them through, these are like big areas. They're not necessarily fully off the beaten path, but within the neighborhoods are specific streets that a lot of people don't know about. So, you know, you can go through Soho and then there's this great street called green street, which is one of the most beautiful architecture blocks. It's my favorite architecture block in the entire city. Um, it's got this old cast iron architecture, um, most beautiful cast iron architecture in the entire world. Then you can walk a couple blocks down canal street and there's this old alleyway called Cortland alley, which is where they film a lot of like old movies and TV shows. It's like if you're you know watching a Law and Order episode, they'll you know pour water all over the ground, pour smoke in there, and make it look like the 70s or 80s in New York. Um, I love uh, walking the Manhattan Bridge; is absolutely uh, incredible. Um, I find it to be even better than the Brooklyn Bridge, uh, and it doesn't have you know you walk on the Brooklyn Bridge and you're dodging about uh, 500 tourists with selfie sticks. Um, you walk on the Manhattan Bridge and it's you and a handful of New Yorkers uh, and you've got even better views from it. Um, and then, you know, I mean, I, I love going to places like Coney Island. It's amazing for people watching. Uh, Bushwick is incredible for street art in Brooklyn. Um, and it's a mixture of kind of street art and industrial and factories and um, kind of old buildings and really fun to photograph. Uh, so off the top of my head, those are probably the ones I can think about. There are definitely more, but uh, those are the ones that I would start with. What about you personally? Are there any locations that you go again and again when you're, say, in search of inspiration or something? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I definitely do. So uh, there's three lo- three neighborhoods that I go to all the time. One is Soho because I find Soho to be fascinating because the neighborhood is basically just turned into this one big shopping mall. You know, it's got some of the most beautiful architecture in the entire city, but it's got, you know, it's about a 10 block by six block area neighborhood and it's got the most, you know, you, you think of an international luxury brand, it'll be there. So it's kind of, you get these very unique photographs with the window displays with people shopping. And, uh, it's kind of, I find that area to be a very specific type of photograph. You can get that. It's harder to get in other areas. Um, and then the other two locations I go to a lot are the East village and Lower East side. Um, and I would say Lower East Side is a great, uh, another great location for kind of a somewhat off the beaten path neighborhood to just get lost in. Um, they're both areas that, are have like they're trendy and they have a lot going on now in terms of new places and the trendy culture which i actually find to be kind of fascinating to photograph you know people doing drunk brunches and stuff can actually make for pretty interesting photographs but then on the other side of that uh you have like a lot of the like it's lower east side is kind of the old immigrant neighborhoods and it was really bad in the 70s and 80s and so you have all these kind of like old businesses old long timers um just incredible uh 
detailed um, buildings in the old tenements. Uh, so it's just weird. I mean, it's really it, it, you go through the lower side and you can just like see gentrification kind of hitting you. Uh, but it's got you name it, you can photograph it. So those are the three areas that I, I photograph the most. Um, and those are areas really close to where I live. I like to go back to the same areas over and over because I find over time I end up, you know, by doing that, I really start to get kind of more nuanced photographs and I start to put together kind of stories based on the neighborhoods uh, that I find harder to do if I'm just hopping in and out of different areas. Great. When I was in New York last time, which was not long ago, a couple months, I was mostly out at night. It was mm-hmm. winter while I, it was getting dark early, so yep. it was typically dark. And I discovered this uh, 6th Avenue, basically. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, the area, just Greenwich Village or north, just north of the village as this... Uh, the, the street is full of those places, restaurants and shops and diners mm-hmm. with those neon lights and so on. Uh, I was amazed. It was really beautiful to photograph and it was so different. I did the same in the same area, just moving one block east or west to 5th or 7th Avenue was completely a different feeling. So it was uh, it was really a nice discovery for me who I've only been to New York a couple of times before that. Yeah, the I mean, with what you're talking about, the city, I mean, everything in the city just looks so much better at night when those lights come on. And yeah, that area is a great area. Uh, and, it, you know, even, I mean, it's weird because New York is, you walk one or two blocks in one dire- in, a, in a different direction and the area can just look completely different, have completely different, you know, uh, every different street corner has a kind of different mix of people. Um, but that's, yeah, I, I suggest for everyone who kind of comes to New York to really spend some time, uh, photographing at night and the city's really safe. Uh, you know, especially any area that, uh, kind of someone who's not familiar with the city would think about going will be a safe area. I like that idea that you were talking about earlier of being on the Brooklyn bridge and actually, uh, the, the better viewpoint might be the, the Manhattan bridge and a uh, quick story. I was, uh, my mom had always wanted to go on a hot air balloon ride and we went out in palm springs california one time and i uh we were getting into the balloons and there was you know probably eight or ten balloons and the balloon that they were they assigned us was this really sort of ugly plain looking not very colorful balloon and she's like why do we get the the ugly balloon and I said, well, we want to be in the ugly balloon because then we could photograph all the beautiful balloons, you know, and see all the beautiful balloons in front of us. So it's kind of the same thing. You know, if you're on the Brooklyn Bridge, it's it's hard to obviously incorporate that into your shots. Completely. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, that's a very, that's a really funny story. Uh, and, and everyone, everyone should walk the Brooklyn bridge at some point. Cause it's an amazing, it's like the, an amazing structure, but I mean, I would tell, I think everyone's first bridge to walk over should actually be the Manhattan bridge. I've never done it. And I, I like that idea a lot. I, I need to do that. I have done the Brooklyn bridge, but I got to try Manhattan. That's great. Yeah. It's super fun. Great. One more question about New York and, uh, and New York and street photography, especially, and uh, what's so special about New York that is so attractive to street photographers? Mm. I, I think of New York, I think of street photography and names like uh, Elliot Erwitt, uh, Joel Meyerowitz, uh, Bruce Gilden, Bruce Davidson come to mind. So, so much great street photography was born in New York. Do you think there's something special there? How, what's your take on that? So, so that's an interesting, it's an interesting question. So on one hand, there is... You know, there's something special about New York in the fact that it's, 
you know, one of the most diverse places in the world. Uh, you know, the beauty of New York is really that I think it was um, Louis C.K., the comedian, said some a great quote about New York. It's uh, it doesn't matter how rich or poor you are or what your background is. Uh, everyone still has to go through the same shit on the subway. Um, you know, it's it, it's just it, it's wherever you photograph, you're just surrounded by all these people who are different than you or And so you can get all these. It's really you're being exposed to so much out there, which is I think the special thing about New York, and one of the reasons why photographing here is really fun, and I, I love it. Um, I mean, there's so much going on all times a day, so you can really you can get a certain type of photograph that you can't get in many other places. But at the same time, I'll tell you, for me, it's uh, I don't think it's more special than anywhere else. Like you know, so many people I talk to people and they say you're so lucky to live here, and I I, I mean I, I I feel that way. But uh, I you know the grass is always greener. I love photographers like Eggleston, Stephen Shore, you know, Trent Park, who, who did this type of photography in completely different areas, like the suburbs, the South areas that weren't, uh, as populated and, and they created these incredible bodies of work. Um, so it's, you know, while New York is a really special place because it's just, there's so much to photograph and there's so much going on and you can just walk outside and you can throw a camera in a bag and know you're going to uh, come across, you know, something. If you wait long enough, you're going to come across something crazy. Uh, but I wouldn't say it's uh, any more special than anywhere else. Um, I'm definitely uh, uh, jealous of people who get to do this work in, in places that look uh, completely different. No, yeah, honestly, I don't think it's... Uh that special. I mean, it's a special place, but mm. my mind was a bit of a provocative question to to provoke no, for sure. to talk about those those masters and so on. But I mean, Paris with uh, Duano and Cartier-Bresson and uh, Los Angeles and other cities, of course, that you can do oh, for sure. great street photography everywhere. So the people who love other cities should not be <laughs> feel that we are singling out New York oh. to say it's the best in the world. It's, uh, oh yeah, no, I, I knew you weren't asking it in that way. Yeah, um, and 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 suburbs too. I mean, I think like uh, a guy I love, uh, uh, Todd Hedo, who photographs. He just goes around at night and photographs these like old buildings in kind of the suburbs, and you know that's like that's that's awesome as well. Um, yeah, I, so I, I think I mean. The thing that's unique about New York is just the chaos and the energy and everyone's in a rush and everyone's kind of, you know, you have these all these people who love being surrounded by people because to live in New York, you have to like people. Uh, but at the same time, that chaos and energy and stress, you can just see it on people's faces and you can just, uh, you know, you wait long enough on any corner and you're just going to see something ridiculous. You recently published a book titled Creative Freelance Marketing, uh, Traditional and Digital Marketing Strategies for Photography, Art, and Creative Businesses. Without giving away all your secrets, uh, can you maybe give your best three or four tips for creatives that are struggling with their marketing? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, so th it's um, that's since I started my business uh, in the early 2000s, it's kind of marketing has been something I've been very passionate about because it's I realized early on learning that was the only way I was going to survive as a photographer, uh, particularly in New York. Um, and, and so each wherever you live or whatever your specific uh, business is, I think it's the the three best tips are kind of slightly different for each person. Um, I think you, you have to the, for, the you have to kind of make a list and figure out the ways that you can make an income. Uh, 
the easiest at first. You know, it doesn't, um, you know, everyone wants to make a living from print sales, uh, but to actually do that, like, you know, and have that be a significant percentage of your income takes a very long time. Uh, you know, I think anyone trying to go in this needs to find a way to make some money right away and a way to market that that works really well. Um, so I think one thing is to, you know, you really need to be focused in the way to make money at first. And you also need to spend a specific amount of time every single day working on your marketing and having it be a just as much of a, a kind of cog in the wheel as any other aspect. Um, and so for like two things that I really like to, you know, I, I do a lot of online marketing, internet, internet marketing, of course. And I think that's a, that's a really important thing to do, but for anyone like starting out or really trying to get, a a kind of critical mass at first, um, I think personal relationships, um, and local marketing can be the most important thing you can do. And that's what I did when I first started. Uh, you know, if you're doing portrait photography, if you're doing, even if you're selling prints, no, you know, no matter what you're doing, um, there are pretty much anybody needs photography in some form or fashion. Uh, and so I always tell people, start a mailing list and reach out to all your personal connections um, and, and you know, tell them, you know, maybe send an official announcement about your business or, and, and show them how you can kind of help them and what you do from them and, and ask if anyone knows anyone else because those second-level uh, relationships uh, are really important as well. So you know, someone you're very close with might know someone uh, who really needs what you do or is influential. Um, and by reaching out to these people, I think that, you know, you really only need a handful of things to happen to really, um, get the ball rolling. Uh, and that's what happened to me. I reached out to, you know, everyone. And, and through that, I found a few people who, you know, some were friends, some were family friends, some were people that they recommended. And that really got the ball rolling for me early, uh, early on. Um, and then the other thing is I think local marketing, uh, if, you know, I do a lot with kind of local businesses here and, and really working with my community. And th those are people that, you know, internet marketing and things like that takes time to develop, uh, to really get a critical mass, but you know, you're surrounded by businesses and, and most of them don't know where the, you know, how to find a photographer. Uh, even though there are a lot of photographers, it's, uh, these days, it's still hard to find them. Um, you know, if you don't know, if you, if you don't know where to look and, and you know, it, to try to trust someone. So I, I think those are probably the best ways to really start your business. Uh, and then over time, you know, don't fragment too much, start focused and strong. And once you start to really get this core of your business, then you can start to kind of spread out in different ways. Great advice. Um, you were recently interviewed on uh, Fox five news. And uh, did that interview came about, uh, because of friends of friends, somebody that you contacted and uh, they knew somebody at the at the station, or, or how did it come about? And uh, did it do good for your for your market for your exposure to to help you reach out new new clients? So that was an interesting thing. So that was that came out through uh, my internet marketing. So I mm -hmm. um, over the years I've been doing a lot of SEO and stuff like that. So I'm you know you Google things like New York Street photography, New York, uh, like you know, different terms like that. Uh, I come up pretty high for a lot of them. Um, and so, uh, that, uh, someone found me through, you know, I forget, I think she was looking for, uh, yeah, just, she was looking for a New York photographer though, the editor. And she reached out to me, gave me a call. And, um, I'm usually very, very quick to respond because I don't know, you know, I, I figure if someone's contacting three or four photographers, I'm the first to respond. Uh, that helps a lot. Uh, and so I started talking to her and telling her what I did. Uh, and so it just turned it, that, that really, um, 
you know, I, I could tell that she was just in the preliminary stages of thinking about a piece like that. It wasn't definite. It wasn't anything. And in that initial conversation, I really think I kind of helped sell her on the idea. Um, and so it turned into just something like that, like a piece like that. And the interest, the fascinating thing is, you know, it's, it had a large viewership, you know, I definitely got some inquiries, but it's a thing like that. It, it didn't do a significant amount long-term for my business besides a week or two. But what it did do is it's really an asset that I can use for other stuff. It like looks great, you know? So, uh, that has helped get me other jobs just by, you know, showing it or, you know, things like that. It's, it, it, while it, it, sh- it shouldn't, it provides a level of legitimacy. It's kind of sh- what we call social proof. Ex- oh, yes, exactly. Yeah. Social proof. That's exactly what it is. So, so Google is still very important for being Google. found. Yes. And Google for me is, uh, you know, it's, it's incredibly important. Yeah. It's, I mean, half, half of my business comes through uh, Google, if not a little bit more. Yeah, it certainly provides a, a high level of credibility when a, a local news station thinks enough of you to bring you on to, to talk mm-hmm. about the, the type of photography that you do. Completely. You know, one of the things that you mentioned in the clip is about the importance of getting out in bad weather. And there's an old saying that I think has kind of been uh, molded for photography that uh, there's no such thing as bad weather in photography, <laughs> just varying degrees of good weather and inappropriate clothing. Yep. <laughs> and uh, I'm this is really close to my heart because I'm a huge proponent of getting out in bad weather. Talk to us more about the advantages of uh, getting out there when, when the weather isn't so great. Yeah, it's I mean, it's it's a key, uh, you know, for, first of all, besides the fact that I think many of the photographs, not all, but many of them look better just in bad weather or at night. Uh, not many people photograph at those times. So it, it has a, the very quick thing of just making your photographs stand out more. Uh, you know, if everyone's taking, you know, New York, everyone photographs certain buildings over and over and over again. And of course I, you know, I sell those architecture images, just there, a lot of people want them and stuff. Uh, and just by going out in the worst weather or going out at night, it, it's, it makes your image stand out from all the rest. So that's a really important kind of distinction, but you know, it, it really, the weather has a way of, uh, just adding interesting colors into an image, making it look more painterly, uh, and it's uh, – it just – I mean in my opinion, a lot of the time it just looks better. Um, and so, yeah, I I love to go out and just – exactly what you said. Um, you know, I have all my kind of winter weather uh, gear and rain gear. And I, I've tried all of the camera um, rain hood things. Mm-hmm. And the best thing that I found, which I like using over any of those things, is I get a little pharmacy plastic bag <laughs> and I poke a hole in it. And I put my lens through it, and I just tape it around the lens. Um, I carry a couple ba- uh, of those bags in case they get super wet, and I, I change them around. And, and uh, I find that they're actually more flexible than any of the rain hoods that I've used. Um, so if it's like absolutely pouring and torrential raining, I, I wouldn't use that. But in like a decent amount of rain, I find that to be like one of the most flexible ways to be able to use your camera in that weather. Um, so yeah, it's I, I just uh, I think everyone should. You know, when, when people always like say, oh, I should go out and photograph in that weather. And then they, they look outside and they say, oh, it looks really bad. I shouldn't do it. Uh, you got to force yourself to go out there. And like, once you're out, out and actually doing it, 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 it starts to feel really fun. The hardest part is just getting yourself out the door. Yes. It's the old, uh, camera condom. I like that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. 
Um, I, you know, I, I think that, uh, you know, like you say, there's less people out there that are photographing. So you're more likely to get unique shots. The colors can be more saturated when it's raining, you get reflections yep. and there's, uh, you know, that's your rainbows only come out after it rains. Uh, so I, I just, uh, can't say enough about getting out when the weather's not so great. Um, and, uh, you're probably gonna have less tourists out there. So more locals that are, you know, just have to be out, get, you know, going to work, going to school, whatever. So good call. Definitely. And yeah, the, the, the reflections in the shine, uh, it's a big part of it. Uh, definitely. Your website features two sections dedicated to, uh, two very interesting projects and one of them is called uh, east village stories and the other one is called uh, luxury for lease and of course i would recommend uh, everyone in our audience to go and, and have a look we'll put links uh, in the show notes but uh, please can you tell us a bit more about those projects hmm? yeah uh, so the east village stories is um when i was talking about doing kind of documentary projects and, and also talking about local marketing uh the East Village Stories project uh, hits both those notes. Um, I, the East Village where, neighborhood where I live, uh, my grandparents, it, like my family goes back to my great-grandparents in this neighborhood. Um, it's got a ton of history. It's a fascinating neighborhood. It's um, This was the area where it was an immigrant area up until the 60s, 70s. Uh, in the 70s and 80s, uh, when the city was kind of very dangerous and a lot of drugs um, – the area became completely burned out. It was where you went to get drugs and things like that. It was, you know, there were still some nice pockets and my grandparents still lived there through that. But, uh, it, it became, because of that, it became affordable. And so you had all of the artists and creatives and, you know, uh, people looking for adventure move there at the same time. Um, and that's where kind of punk rock started in New York and things like that. So any, you, you meet anyone who's in their fifties or sixties, or anyone who's lived through the 70s or 80s or even the early 90s in this neighborhood, and they have the craziest life stories. Um, it's it's absolutely amazing. Uh, so I, I worked with a local blog, uh, the East Village blog, uh, um, which is it has a huge readership, and they just kind of cover daily happenings, businesses, and you know, you name it. And I just said, uh, you know, I know there's an incredible history here. What if I just do a once a week interview? I just stop someone on the street and do a, anywhere from a five minute to some have turned into hour long interviews where they take me into their apartment and show me these crazy things. Um, and then in the winter, we kind of set them up ahead of time because people won't stop for you in the winter. Uh, so I've been doing that for a little over four and a half years now. It's coming on five years now. Uh, and it's turned into this kind of historical project of the neighborhood. Uh, I've been able to, you know, see these incredible departments here, you know, hear stories. It's, there are really some fascinating stories about people kind of surviving and, and thriving in these neighborhoods. Uh, so that's, that's that, uh, project. And, um, are you going to, to release that project in as a book or exhibition or a website on its own? Uh, I would love to do a book, uh, at some point and then do an exhibition with that. Uh, it's, that's definitely been in the back of my head, but I haven't actually, um, thought, uh, far enough ahead to actually do that yet. So at some point, yeah, I'd love to, um, I'm, you know, I, the book, the book thing is, uh, um, the, the physical book form, I love doing eBooks and things, the physical book form, uh, it's, that's a whole nother focus, which at some point I'm going to kind of try to hit hard. Uh, but I, I, at this point I know nothing about, you know, physical, uh, physically, uh, doing books. So, um, yeah, I'd love to, but I'm, I'm not, I'm maybe about a year from thinking about that or half a year from thinking about that. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Yep. What about the luxury for lease oh, project? Yeah. 
uh, so the luxury for lease. So that um, that's kind of that goes hand in hand with my love for history in New York. And um, so New York is a really fascinating place. Uh, you know, it's changing very fast. Um, and that's one of the things where it's happening in all cities all around the world. Uh, and you know, New York, it's happening faster than a lot of cities, but, um, it's, uh, as New York has kind of become safer and people around the world have realized it's safer, um, as kind of promotion for it and tourism and, and all that stuff has increased, uh, it's really, the gentrification is changing so fast and people are moving back, you know, in the fifties and sixties, everyone left the cities to go to the suburbs. Now they're all coming back. Now everyone who have watched like, you know, friends and sex in the city growing up and that new show girls, um, they're all moving back. And so there's this complete change in what it used to be like in New York, uh, to what it's starting to feel like now. Um, and it's part of it. It's not the whole city, but you know, it's this kind of, cleaner city but somewhat more boring uh you know old amazing shops are being kind of kicked out and chains are kind of coming in um and just you have these kind of people who you know one of the most beautiful parts about new york was the diversity and the connection when you're out in the streets you know you'd walk outside and you'd be able to meet all types of people and talk to them and now everyone's just kind of you know going to and from jobs paying way too much rent stressed out of their minds have these huge headphones on so they can't talk to anybody staring at their phones. Um, so it's kind of this, you know, this really, uh, you see this loneliness on the streets, you see this stress, you see all these kind of emotions that in different forms were there previously, but they're, they're different now. And so, uh, luxury for lease is kind of a way of just kind of showing that. Um, and it's still a work in project, uh, work in, um, uh, progress, I'm still planning on working on it for another couple of years. Um, but it's, it's a way to kind of show this, uh, feeling of where New York is heading a little bit. Uh, yeah. Aside from New York, uh, what are some of your other f- favorite places to shoot, uh, mostly internationally, mm-hmm. would you say? So, I mean, I love photo- photographing when I travel. Um, I, I love Europe. Uh, I love Greece, um, you know, Italy, Portugal, uh, but, um, and, and, the thing is, I'm I'm a I'm an I'm an interesting type of photographer. I feel like there's two types of photographers, and it, it seems to go fifty fifty. There are the photographers that do their best work when they're at home and when they know their place, like where they kind of know their place well. They they feel more comfortable, most comfortable photographing in those situations. And then there are the other fo- f- photographers uh, who do their best work when they travel to new places. Um, I think I'm the former. So when I travel to to new places. Um, I never, I don't spend as much time photographing. I'm usually on vacation. Uh, I, I don't feel as comfortable with what I'm photographing. Um, so I love to photograph when I travel and, and all that stuff. But um, yeah, I'm definitely uh, part of that 50% group where it's the, the camera is a bit of an afterthought when I'm, when I'm traveling. Interesting. I'm on the other camp. That's exactly. Yep. <laughs> and <laughs> so many amazing yeah. photographers are on the other camp too. It's, it's a weird, it's, it's, you can, uh, it, it, it really is strange how it's kind of like 50-50 depending on the mentality. Good. Do you have anything exciting coming up? Uh, travels planned, uh, new books, uh, new projects? Uh, well, definitely no more new books for a little while because I, I came out with those last two last year. So I'm, I'm a little I'm, uh, the, the editing thing I'm going to stay away from for a while. Uh, the, I'm working on um, 
I'm just about to start. I haven't started it yet. I'm trying to get a couple uh, grants where I do projects uh, similar to what I've been doing with this East Village Story project, but with it, with in the Lower East Side area and doing more interviews and portraits with immigrants, given you know the current state of uh, politics in our country. Immigration is a big issue. Uh, and, and working with kind of community centers and things like that. Um, so that's the, that's the project that's going to hopefully come up in the future. Um, and I don't know, I, I don't want to say too much of what it's going to be because I have to work with some other people on it and, and to kind of flesh it out. So I don't know exactly what it's going to be yet. Uh, but that's, that's for the next year. That's what, what I'm going to be working on. Um, and besides that, just kind of, I'm going to be trying to continuing this luxury for lease thing and, uh, just kind of general, um, general work besides that. Do you do you do workshops? Would you like to to advertise any of your future workshops for our audience? They might be interested in. Oh sure, yeah. So I do um, I do two types of workshops. I do very frequent, like maybe two two and a half times a week, uh, all year round. I do um, private photography workshops, usually three or five hours, where. Uh, you know, I, I, I do different, I, I have my favorite routes, which I'll tell, you know, if people send me an email, I'll tell them all the routes that are available, but I teach a mixture of street photography off the beaten path, history, um, architecture as well, kind of combine them all into one, depending on the person's interests. Uh, and then a couple times a year, I give group workshops. Um, my next one is, uh, a four day workshop in from September 7th to, uh, to 10th. Um, that one, it's about half full now. Um, and then, so I plan on doing another one in April of 2018 and trying to do probably two or three of the group workshops a year. New York. Yep. All in New York. Yep. Um, so where, where can people find out more about you and your workshops? So if you go to my website, uh, it's my, uh, James Mayer, M A H E R photography.com. Or if you Google James Mayer, that'll come up first. Uh, if you go to that website, you'll see literally everything, uh, from my prints to my books, uh, to the workshops. Great, we'll put links to that in the, in the blog post. Uh, Ralph, do you have any other questions that you would like to ask? Um, I don't think so, but uh, yeah, I, I know it'd be great to get out with you when I'm back there in uh, January. I'd love to uh, to hear about some of the history and get out and shoot in some of your off the beaten path places. So we'll have to stay in touch on that. Oh, for sure, definitely, and and we'll dress warm for that. <laughs> January is uh, January is a rough month, uh, but it's beautiful. <laughs> Hopefully, we'll have some inclement weather. Definitely, <laughs> <laughs> great. That would be great. Let me yeah. let me know. I might uh, see if I can come to New York myself. Oh, for sure. Another another time. So uh, I think we are at the end of this interview. Uh, I would like to thank you, James, for for being our guest. It's been a really uh, inspiring conversation and uh, perspective on. Uh, on one of the most uh, interesting, fascinating cities in the world from uh, from a real New Yorker. So definitely valuable. So thanks again for being with us today. And uh, yep, all the yeah. best. And thanks for you. having me. Yeah, thanks for having You're me. Uh, it was a lot of fun uh, talking. Yeah, appreciate your time, James. Thanks a lot. Yeah, have a good one. So, Ralph, uh, before we sign off, uh, you told me you were, uh, you're now in Madrid. Uh, what's uh, what's next up to you in terms of uh, travels, workshops, uh, speaking engagements, other projects coming up? Anything you want to share? Yeah, well, right now, uh, again, I am in Spain. I'll be moving to Portugal uh, in about a week or two and um, just working on my tour organizer training program, putting that together. And then I am off to Morocco to lead a trip there, which is sold out. 
and always seems to every year, which is pretty nice. And then from there, I'm doing my Capitals of the Baltics trip, which is uh, Lithuania, Latvia, Estonia. Got a Iceland trip coming up. I need a few more people for that. So if people have an interest in that, my India trip's filling up pretty nicely. But uh, a lot of really wonderful trips coming up this year. Cambodia, Vietnam, Mexico's Copper Canyon, Romania. Yeah, I can um, understand why Morocco would fill up so quickly. I mean, it's a country that I would go back in a heartbeat if I could. Everything. A lot of interest it's, in Morocco. It's great. It's great. Yeah. And it's, for us Europeans, it's so close. I mean, it's so easy mm-hmm. to, to reach. And so, so, yeah. Absolutely. How about you? How's your new ebook coming along? Uh, the ebook uh, has been uh, published and it's uh, getting some uh, rave reviews that I will be publishing soon. Great. Uh, What's the title of it again? Uh, it's Simple Marketing Strategies for Photographers. So I'm actually a bit in a competition with our guest, James Mayer. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. Uh, his, his book is much more researched and complete. Mine is just a, a short ebook. So if people want to to, to have a look, uh, it can definitely get both. Uh, mine is, uh, can find it on my website at uh, ucphoto.me. Aside from that... Uh, we're still in the pre-sales period of our Venice Carnival workshop for 2018. Uh, we still have uh, seats for our pre-sales program, and people can find more at Mediterranean Photo Tours slash Venice 2018. What about you? Any uh, links? Uh, where can people go and find more about you? Yeah, if people go to my website at photoenrichment.com, and of course they can find me on all the social media networks at Photo Enrichment and at Ralph Velasco, and the uh, Tour Organizer Training is available at tourorganizertraining.com, where else? And finally, for uh, this episode, it will be at uh, ttim.photo forward slash 72, and uh, I would like to, we normally ask for, for a review, I mean, reviews are great if you can leave us a review on iTunes. That would be very much appreciated. Uh, but this time, I would also like to, to ask for shares. Uh, this is how we get more traffic. We get more uh, people who learn about this podcast. We want to uh, to reach as many people as, as possible. So if you're listening to this and you would like to uh, share this with your friends, your followers online, just go to ttim.photo. Uh, share that, share this episode, share all the episodes uh, that you liked on uh, Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, uh, Google+, whatever. We would really love this. And that's about it for for this week. We'll be back next week with, uh, with another episode and another guest. Thanks, everyone. Now, let's get out and shoot.